life and before you start, mm. you can't be serious. You want to wrap this up as quickly as possible and up late as quickly as possible because you want to go see the books. <laughs> I mean, Hang they're on. carrying the weight of the expectation for Australian football this week. This is episode 28 of the Back Peg, is it not? It is. It is. Welcome, listener. Welcome, listener. Yes. I'll bring you into the room. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> for joining us once again this week. Yes. <laughs> we joked many times that there is no curtain on this That's joint. Right. The curtain's got singed and That's turned right. to a crisp or something. I don't know what happened to them. <laughs> yes, Nathan. Go on. Yes. the uh, For three A-League clubs, the season well recommences, I suppose, this week. Cup notwithstanding. But... Uh, after some disappointing results for Melbourne City and for Central Coast this week already. Uh, the Bulls are in action tonight at 10 o'clock, away to a Shine United of uh, Myanmar, and hey, they carry the uh, the weight of Australian football on their shoulders tonight, I suppose, why don't we in just one sense. It, why don't we just put it on Paramount Plus and just uh, have it on the background and we can just do a watch-along? <laughs> That'd be good. <laughs> the problem is, Laz, the listeners are not here with us live. No, so They true. know the result by the time they listen to this podcast. They all know. Maybe we should, yeah. We uh, maybe we should try and do a set up a watch along one day. Mm, that'd be good. Do it on YouTube or something like that. Yeah, that'd yeah, get, that'd, that'd get be great. See, they'd get to see what we look like, I'd say. I mean, they mm. already know that, but nevertheless, yeah. I mean, it'd be quite worrying for some, I think. Yeah, if you follow us on Instagram, you know what we look like. <laughs> <laughs> but how's oh, your it's week? been a big week, class. Yes. How's your week, Nathan? Talk to me about uh, your footballing week, and then I'll talk to you about my footballing week. <laughs> a bit of a contrast, isn't it, between ourselves this week, isn't it? Um, man, it's not a three, three defeats on, a bou- on the bounce. Um, I think they're getting progressively... No, they're not. <laughs> they're not. They're sort of just meandering in somewhere between abject and mediocre. Who, who and, are we uh, talking about here? Are we talking about Athletic Bilbao, or are we talking about uh, the Bulls? Or who are we talking about here? Uh, we're talking about the Red Devils, and, and we who, won't spend and, long on them. And who are they? What's their name? <laughs> Manchester United, of course. Right, okay. okay. Just wanted to clarify that. So it's not mm-hmm. FC United of Manchester, or Salford no, that... City FC, or... No, yeah. Or... And is it the Glazers' fault? <laughs> okay, Gary Neville. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but this yeah, is Manchester it is. United. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> couldn't help myself. I had to let the Gary down. I feel like we start every pod talking about Manchester United. I'm sick of yeah, it. Yeah, um, you know, look, I'm, I fear that this is going to have to have like a Red Devils thing, and then you know, I don't know why, but anyway, I mean, look, it it's is because... the biggest. It's the biggest story in football. That's just yeah, put it yeah right and it's it a soap opera. It is. It is. We thought WWE was a soap opera, but there you go. They're at least, like, at least, there's uh, <laughs> they're the best in class. Well, they are. But the gift that yeah. keeps on giving is uh, Manchester United. Yep. I mean, this morning's Anana. game, res- the result was okay. If you look at it purely oh. on the result, 4-3 away in Germany, yeah, it's not too bad. Okay. But... Hang on. Yes. That's if you look at the result and you haven't yes. watched the game. Yes. You know, I made the mistake it. of watching the game. <laughs> As did I. <laughs> and, geez. Um, yeah. Man, you got a four, lot of work 4-1 would have been a fair reflection. Mm, yeah. I-, I would think so. I would think so. Yeah. And, and yeah, Casemiro. Dreadful, again. Yeah, but he's got you two goals. Yeah, off the back of 75 minutes of dross. I don't know where the Casemiro is from last season, but Man. I don't recognise a player in United's midfield so far this this campaign. Yeah, Manchester United have got problems. Look, there's a lot of injuries, there's no doubt, but mm. I, there, I've got to be um, some issues in the, in the dressing room there. But also, it can't help that there's this whole cloud around the club 
and the Glazers wanting to sell, not being able to sell, not being realistic as far as what the what uh, the price is that they're trying to garner. Um, well, apparently they want ten billion now. Yeah, which is well, a joke. that's a joke, right? And and the thing is that Manchester, well, there's no dose of reality there because Manchester United, yes, they might be the biggest brand as far as football is concerned in the English speaking world. However, uh, they are not worth that amount of money. And yes, they might still gain a big sponsorship deals as far as front of shirt, but hey, at least gonna... we still have that. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you can have that. But <laughs> the biggest kit deal and biggest front of shirt sponsor deal in world football. I, I don't know why, Nathan, to be honest, because the club is dross. Well, you said it yourself. They are still the most recognizable football team in the English speaking world. Yeah. Look, and I mean, them and the... they're in, there's a clear top three in world football. I would say clear top four. And I mean, we can debate on the semantics and, of that, and, but anyway. Well, look, in fact, I would say a top seven, actually. Oh. Or eight. I'm extending. I mean, I'll tell you why. Let's go through it quickly, right? So you, you're going to get yourself So we can get off Manchester here, United. So we can get Newcastle in here, yes. No, 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 no. <laughs> in, I would say, in rank, Real Madrid, Manchester United, Barcelona. You're putting us above Barca, that's nice. Just Liverpool, right? Mm. I would then say... You, uh, I would then say Juventus, stun silence. Yeah, okay, yeah, keep going. All right, the two Milans, AC Milan and Inter Milan, and then Bayern Munich. In terms of what recognition, in terms brand of brand recognition and brand value, and legacy, list, and, leg- and legacy, and legacy. No, I don't hate your list there. Thank you. I'm here every week. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> How far down your list does Arsenal go? I've got a joke about Arsenal. Go on, I am, and uh. This was sent to me by a family friend who shall remain nameless, just for the sake of their own identity. Yeah, they don't want to get outed. <laughs> exactly. So three Englishmen are starving in the desert and they stumble across the carcass of a camel. But they can't decide on how to divide the camel up. They agree to share the camel based on their football team. Mm. The first guys say, the first guy says, I support Manchester, so I'll eat the chest. The second man says, I support ah, ah, Liverpool, ah, 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 ah. so I'll eat the liver. <laughs> the last man says I support Arsenal but I'm not hungry <laughs> does that answer your question about Arsenal I think it does yes okay. I think it does <laughs> I, hate, I, uh, I, I dislike North London equally no. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's no, a lie and you know it <laughs> that's a lie um, no, I, I have a soft spot for both North London sides right? especially when Daniel Levy speaks but um, mm. yeah and we'll get on to that in a minute, actually. But um, Arsenal and Spurs, they're recognisable brands, but they're not in the top seven or eight. No, I don't think... Chelsea for that matter. Arsenal are the most recognisable London club, I think. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. And I think they would be getting close to the Milan clubs. I'm not saying they're past them, but they'll be getting close. And that's just because of the, the behemoth of the Premier League and everything yeah. that comes with that. Sure. But anyway... In terms of talk, clubs on the talk. continent, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know, there's not too many more. To be honest, oh, not, not too many that get into that like, upper echelon. No, no. There are some big clubs in Europe, but they're sure. you know, on the continent, but you know, not in that top um, cat, not, not in that top tier category there. But we could do lists of each continent anyway. But, you know, hey, that's the European eight, that I reckon. Yeah, I mean, the only clubs I could really throw in the mix would be Atleti or maybe Ajax, maybe Benfica. All big clubs, but, but not, in that, not in that class. No, of course, yeah. There is, there's a gap. There is a big gap. Are you happy we got off Manchester United now? Yeah, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to go back to it or not? No. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> no. <laughs> One thing I will say 
is that I think that today's performance was much better against uh, Brighton, you know, than the one he served up against Brighton at home. I said move on. I said move on. No, we have to talk about Brighton. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's why I say move on. <laughs> <laughs> you must have been absolutely disheartened when you saw that and how easy Brighton for Manchester United than you won. Well, it wasn't a surprise. They've beaten us four times in a row now in the league, and they deserved it. I mean, Manchester United had a good 20, 25 minutes or so, just like they did They did this morning against Bayern. But one mistake or one change in tactical or anything, any form of adversity whatsoever, and they just crumble. Whether it was the Andre Onana error this morning, they just crumble. Or the Zerbi's change in tactics on 20 minutes or so, where just any slight change, any variation from what they're doing at the start of the game, and... There's just no answer to it whatsoever. What did Klopp say, mentality monsters, about his Liverpool team? Yes. And people prefer to uh, Manchester United's mentality midgets, and it's accurate. That's my way of looking at it. They crumble. they got no backbone whatsoever, and it's a problem. And these are still ongoing issues in the dressing room, but the manager was tasked in sorting out. Mm. It seems to be infecting more players than rather dealing with the source, whatever the yeah. source is. And it I seems, don't know what the source is. It seems to have gone backwards, hasn't it? From last season, yeah. Yeah. Maybe we need to get your friend Laurie Whitwell back on again. Or the pod's friend, Laurie Whitwell. I like Laurie. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like I said, we can't talk about Manchester United too much. But, yeah, it's a story that keeps on giving. And they're suddenly now the arsenal that, uh, of five years ago. Oh, we're worse than that. Yeah, you are. I just was trying to make it feel better. <laughs> arsenal of five years ago was what? Emery? Yeah, something like that. Close enough. Wenger was, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wenger was gone. Pretty much, if I had uh, just left and Emery had taken over. Mm, and the rise yes. of Arsenal fan TV. Yeah. Oh, I guess the, guess the rise was before that anyway with Wenger. Yeah, it was but the last couple of years of Wenger where it got really popular. Yeah. But anyway, we digress. We digress. So we've covered off enough of the Red Devils. I think that's done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've been saying uh, move on for about 10 minutes now, guys. All right. Okay, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Um, Newcastle. Newcastle. Decent point. Okay. Let's talk about Newcastle. Uh, Decent point of in the San Zero, sure. Do some point away. Do some point away to kick off the Champions League for this year. And look, um, I'm just happy that it is a result. And, you know, we've got the first, uh, you know, Newcastle's got the first game out of the way and uh, move on to uh, playing uh, Dortmund at home in the next match. Milan should have won. Milan should have won, but they didn't. And that's really, that's all there is to it. Um, <laughs> I think, I think what it did highlight, and I think it was a good, a valuable lesson for Eddie Howe is that um, uh, they need to have a look at what how they can be strategic in game to change things. Um, there hasn't been enough flexibility this season as far as trying to change systems or personnel, and I think that I think it's been more so a case of steadying the ship over the, the course of the last week, ensuring we we don't lose or that Newcastle doesn't lose, and then. Um, you know, uh, worrying about uh, playing style and formation and, and all that kind of thing. So it was good to get a win against Brentford in the Premier League. I think that was uh, Newcastle were the better side on the day and um, uh, could have had more. But, um, you know, against Milan, it's a different step up against a, you know, a legacy club of the Champions League and a good, you know, a good results away at the San Siro, I think, and bring on match day two. Whenever you say legacy club, it reminds me of uh, was it Florentino Perez that referred to supporters as legacy fans, and football needed to change its outlook and change its demographic and change its whole nature to, to target new 
yeah. eyes. I get it. The f- football needs to, you know, football will evolve. It does evolve. There are, and you can't call these clubs anything but legacy clubs. They are. Yeah. Right? And they still, and because they are legacy clubs, they still have multi-generational support. Mm-hmm. And it's brilliant. Yeah. Look, I was hopeful, I was hopeful that the Newcastle would sneak win given what happened in the Milan derby last weekend. Yeah. I thought it would have been based on what happened in Milan the night before. Well, yeah, look, that was very sad, wasn't it? Yeah. For those that don't that don't know, there were um, I think there were eight in total Newcastle United supporters attacked, unfortunately. Uh and something that's not violently that's attacked, uncommon. Violently attacked. Um, which is very sad to hear and see. Thankfully, no uh, fatalities. Thankfully, but um, stabbings aren't good. No, no. And yes, not that uncommon when it comes to English teams going to the continent. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't understand why why that happens, but obviously there is a history there between uh, English football supporters and the rest of the continent, but there's still no excuse for, you know, just treat people the way you want to get treated. And when you're going out into a place, respectfully, you know, the local customs, if you're going to have a drink, just do it responsibly, you know, don't. Make a um, show of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you keep to yourself, you, you, you'll be all right. Yeah, very much so. And uh, I think there's some suggestion that you shouldn't be wearing 10 colours while you're out and about in some yeah. cities in Europe, which is, yeah. a, which is a sad thing to say. Yeah, it is. But let's get to the more positive stuff and the football that was played. In, yeah, we could touch on the, the, uh, the Milan derby last weekend, but I still would probably want to circle back to the Champions League played over the last couple of days. And I think the most entertaining game happened in the group that your team is in. I don't want to mention them by name because we've mentioned them enough times. Uh, <laughs> Too many times. <laughs> Galatasaray versus Copenhagen. <laughs> cracking game and mm. cracking goals. Yeah, they got a good team there, Galatasaray. There's a lot of, I think it's uh, one of the other podcasts in Australian football, that they do they do a name recognition index. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And like uh, get, get a couple of their uh, their uh, presenters on. Yeah, that'd be course. good. It would be good. <laughs> Don't know if they're still going, um, but yes. Mm, but uh, yes, they have a lot of players with uh, uh, a lot of uh, familiar credentials, I suppose, is a way to put it. But they look like a really good team on paper. And Are you scared, Nathan? Scared? No. I wouldn't say scared. They are the biggest threat to come out of this group. That mm-hmm. would cause a surprise. Right. Which... It still would be a surprise yep. if either Galatasaray or Copenhagen get out of the group. Yep. But I'm really looking forward to that fight for third. Mm. Maybe Galatasaray can push it up. But if I, am, I, am I confident of Galatasaray rolling over for Manchester United when they come into Turkey? No. Okay. I think it'll be a very difficult game. They might, they might beat us. But we're not talking about Manchester United anymore. Galatasaray, <laughs> right. they're a very good team. They had a very entertaining <laughs> game this morning. <laughs> and there were some banging goals in that game. They really were. Yes. As there the... was on the weekend. Yes, yes. Did you see this? Icardi's Galata... goal? Sorry? Uh, Icardi's goal for Galatasaray yes. on the weekend? Yes, yeah, 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 it did. Zij's shot was clocked at, what was it, 110? Something mm, like that, Case. That's right. And Icardi, I don't know how, he's A, controlled it, and B, not got a concussion, but <laughs> he's flicked <laughs> it into true. the corner with the deftest of touches to put it away. Brilliant goal. Brilliant goal. Mm. And I'll tell you what, some of the players they signed recently, Galatasaray, I'm... Half surprised they haven't uh, gone off to Saudi, but mm. good for clubs strong like strong. Yeah, it is a strong league. Strong league. It doesn't get a lot of credit for it either. Yeah, and I think you see. Look, obviously there are players that are uh, you know able to chase the dollar, and that's all good. However, um, there are some very competitive leagues on the continent, and Turkey is one of them. I don't know where they sit in the coefficient, but surely they're in that mix for 
best of the rest outside of, well, France is not considered Big Five anymore, but maybe on the next year down, they're surely the best of the rest. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you're far off. But um, what I was going to say was, what, or what mm. I was going to ask you was performance of the round for match day one for Champions League and your goal. Uh, well, my goal of the round is the equaliser from yesterday morning <laughs> in the, right. the Lazio Atletico like Madrid game. What a, what a header. <laughs> it has to be. <laughs> what a run, too. Oh, We're talking about so, the, the goalkeeper for Lazio. Correct, correct. 94th minute equaliser. Up for the corner. The corner is a rubbish corner. It, it was a rubbish corner, <laughs> but then the ball comes back in. And, yeah, a great run. Shadows pass a couple of defenders. A brilliant header. Brilliant header. Every striker in the world will be proud of that. Oh, I was just going to say, if you're a striker and you see that technique for Eddie, you're like, yes, yep, I'll take that. Mm. Thank you very much. <laughs> Fantastic, isn't it? And it's good to see, right? It's good to see a clean header, you know. Um, yeah, we, we, you know, we're familiar with Becker Allison, Allison Becker's um, uh, heroics for Liverpool, but that kind of seemed fluky at the time. This was a, a clear header, you know, mm. technique up, you know, something Timmy Cow would be proud of. Yeah, very much so. And uh, yeah, performance of the round, I might say Arsenal. They were very good this morning. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you there. I'll agree with you there. Very good. Very yeah, good. Very Interesting very that Arteta named a, a full-strength team pretty much. I don't know if there's enough in the legs for these players to play every game. And are they all going to... Is it going to be the exact same team on the weekend for the North London Derby? I don't know. It's three big games in a week. That's an interesting point, Nathan. That's an interesting point. Because Arteta because always rotated for the Europa League. The NLD is on tonight. Uh, is on this weekend, rather. And mm. and um, I think Spurs are looking dangerous as well. And I think people would be um, silly to underestimate Spurs at um, at the Emirates. Laz? Yeah. I'm going to ask you a question. Go for it. Are Spurs in the title race? Ooh. Um, too early to tell, Nathan. Too oh, early no. to tell. Too early to tell at this stage. Because... Look, and I think it's people that are critical of Spurs or don't like Spurs that would say that Spurs played against, right? And to a degree, there's validity in that. However, I contend that Spurs under Mourinho, Spurs under Poch, Spurs under Conte don't pull off that result that they did against Sheffield United on the weekend. No, no chance. And some might also say, well... It took them to the 98th minute to get a goal against Sheffield United, a team that most people have going down. Yeah, but, but I would also say that scoring that. 98 and the 100th game, a minute of the game, I'd say that's a, a net better performance than a routine 2 0. Well, correct, because it's 70 minutes previously they may have folded. Yeah, and it's that moment of euphoria at the end, coupled with the goal for the pigeon and the assist. Yeah, look, that, okay, I'm glad you mentioned that. Right, because mm. we've been critical of him before as well, in in the sense that we didn't think that he would have the quality to be a the finisher that Spurs require, right, in order to finish the chances and, and to take advantage of the opportunities that are created. However, given what's come out in the last week about Mendy's mental health, and given the stage that he was that was set for him last week, full credit to him. Mm. Hats off! I was so happy for him. I was so happy for him, and it was so good to see. And that is it goes to show um, a part of the character of the Charleston that we hadn't seen before, I don't think. No, and it was easily his best moment in a Tottenham shirt. It would have to be. And maybe he's turned a corner? I think, too, again, yeah, too early to tell. Too early to tell, right? He's just going to take it game by game, 
you know, play by play, right? <laughs> Same way we take life. You're going to just take it a day at a time, right? But if that just goes to show what he, you know, the adversity that he can deal with and the pressure cooker situation that he can face and can rise above it. So uh, it was so pleasing to so. see. Yeah. And I hope his uh, goal scoring run continues because uh, uh, it's, a big, hope, it's a big game on the weekend. I hope North it does too. Derby. I hope it does too, but it stops against Newcastle United. <laughs> I think this is the biggest or most anticipated North London derby for a very long time coming up on the weekend. Mm, I have to agree then. Because just where these two teams are at coming into the season and for Arsenal off the back of last season. I want you to hold that thought. I want you to hold that thought. Mm, Okay. Because I just want to go back to the Champions League for a second. I thought we moved on. (laughs) No, I thought we had moved on, but I I actually, and I, I, you know, we don't prepare for this and you know, man, and it's Mm. just, you know, as Mm. things pop into our mind, you know, Mm -hmm. Union Berlin, at the Bernabeu, that needs to be mentioned, right? This club is a point case for all of European football to follow because it wasn't so long ago that they were in Bundesliga 3. Come up in the Bundesliga 2 minute, come up into the Bundesliga, and they've been in Bundesliga for, uh, for the last four seasons. They finish in the top four. They get a Champions League spot. They're drawn against Real Madrid. This team can't play in its own stadium because of the uh, size constraints and the UEFA regulations. They go to the Bernabeu to the Power that Real Madrid, you know, the power of Real Madrid, right? The legacy of Real Madrid, the jersey of Real Madrid, right? You know, all-time leading European champions. And who pulls Real Madrid out of the crapper to get the result? Him again. <laughs> He's done it again. He's done it again. And and I tell you, this is happening all too often. Mm. And look, they keep winning. He's not a striker. And they keep finding a way to win, right? Real Madrid keep finding a way to win, both in the Liga and now in the Champions League, and full credit to Union Berlin for pushing and holding Real Madrid for as long as they did, you know, and their first time on the stage in the Champions League stage. Incredible story. Yeah, amazing. Yes, losers on the night, but I think big winners out of what happened. And you're right to point everything out. I can't disagree with you. I haven't got a whole lot more to add because you covered it all, and it's just great to see a lot of rakes of riches, but to come from where they have to be on this stage is fantastic and it's amazing to see and I think that also speaks a little bit to German football and the systems they have in place there to really ensure that clubs are so well run and have the supporters on board and with the exception of a couple that's also popped up this week Um, I'm referring to uh, the the young boys supporter statement regarding some of their opponents in particular Leipzig (laughs) All right, I missed this Um, Ah, okay essentially they've put out a statement saying that football's got too financial, too money-driven, and corporations taking over football clubs. Essentially, that's what the, the crux of the statement was. And mm-hmm. uh, clubs like Union Berlin is uh, a good um, counter to that because yeah, yeah, it's uh, an amazing story, an amazing progress for them. And I don't think they're done. Look, um, and those stories are more than likely to come out of German football because of the ownership structure those clubs have, right? So, yeah. and you're right to point that out. It is a good story. And Nathan, you're going to tell us what you think of what uh, young boys, Berlin's, uh, sorry, young boys, Berlin's fans had to say. Because I wanted to delve into it a bit further and tell me where you really sit on it and multi club ownership. Because <laughs> we haven't talked about this on the pod because it came out after the last uh, episode. But triple seven, mm. and the pending ownership of Everton. Here again, here again. Okay, hold. Okay. So we've got two things that we need to come back to. That and the NLD. <laughs> you cool. Okay, mate. Multi-club ownership, your favourite pet topic that we've uh, talked about oh. previously. 
And here we go. We're talking about Triple Seven's pending, Triple Seven Group's pending acquisition mm. of the Toffees Everton Football Club, the blue side of Mersey's side. Yes, it just escaped us last week. I think it came out the morning after yes, we recorded. That's mm-hmm. did a couple of other stories the week before, but that's not the point. And <laughs> Fahad Mashiri. Uh... One of the stories that you're talking about. But anyway, let's just get on to Triple Seven. But if you want to talk about those, we can as well. It's up, up uh, to you. Yes. Just, you know. Fahad Mashiri, the much beloved majority shareholder at Everton Football Club, seems to have found a buyer for his shares. And as you say, pending, subject to uh, the all the ins and outs of a Premier League takeover. Triple Seven Group, who are an investment firm based out of Miami, with a bit of a checkered past as well as a bit of a checkered um, football portfolio, mm-hmm. uh, in the midst of a takeover of what is it, the fourth most successful club in English football history? Yeah, correct. In terms of leagues, one, yes, yes, and they'll be joining the stable of, and I have a list in front of me here. We yes. said we don't do some preparation, but and, and, uh, and just and just on that, Everton haven't won a league since the uh, mid eighties. That so is true. Forty, nearly you know, nearly forty years since Everton have won a league, mm-hmm. and they are the fourth most successful club in terms of leagues won. It shows how good they used to be. That's right. And so yes, Everton will be joining the stable of Hertha Berlin, not only on Berlin, who we talked about just before, but Hertha Berlin, their crosstown rivals. Mm-hmm. Who got relegated last season and uh, last I checked, a bottom of the second Bundesliga. So, game for uh, consecutive relegation. Yes, I think uh, we can call it doing a Sunderland. Yeah, that'd be good. Let's go on. Also, is uh, Sevilla, who were in a relegation battle last season. Yeah, although I think they're in a stronger position this season. Mm. Mm. Uh, Genoa, who were in a similar boat in Italy. Yeah. Vasco da Gama, who are in a relegation scrap themselves recently. Uh, Standard Liège in Belgium, a big club, mm-hmm. but since the takeover, they've really struggled and are barely mid-table. Uh, Red Star out of Paris, who mm-hmm. are top of the third division in France, and our very own Melbourne Victory, who are... Uh, let's just say haven't been at the peak of their powers in recent years. Correct. It's not a good run sheet, that. I mean... Yep, granted, granted. I'm against yeah. multi-club ownership at Mo- the best of times, mm-hmm. but... When you're joining a stable full of clubs that have been struggling since they've been taken over by the same people, it doesn't bode well. So it might be a case of out of the frying pan into the fire for Everton supporters. Mm-hmm. But this is beyond football as well. Triple Seven, they their owners themselves have had a little bit of a checkered past, where one was on charges for drug trafficking, and the firm's been uh, accused of fraud and racketeering. Nothing has been proven this thus far, though. No. Oh, yes, accusations, as I say. Yes. Accused mm-hmm. and charged, but it doesn't look good. It does not look good. I wouldn't be optimistic if I was, I was an Everton supporter. No, I agree with you. But what is your biggest gripe with regards to multi club ownership? I mean, we've your talked about gripe, your biggest gripe, if I'm not mistaken, is that you're concerned that one club becomes a primary club of this group and then the other clubs just become feeder clubs for the or farming clubs for the bigger clubs. Is that correct? Feeder clubs, they also are sort of a representative of whatever culture the primary club has mm-hmm. and how much that would change with mm-hmm. new owners. Mm-hmm. For instance, does the history of Strasbourg reflect the culture of Chelsea? Perhaps not, mm-hmm. and so on. But yes, it's all sort of um, intangible aspects 
of a football club, things like culture, things like the asset that football clubs are to their communities, these sorts of things that, mm-hmm. yes, you can try and put a valuation on it, but for mine, it often gets left behind when you're talking about the financial side of football. That's and yep. It's not the case of be profitable or have supporters who don't like you and supporters who grow despondent and fall out of love with their clubs because they've been taken over by a bigger club from another country that you've never seen before. But surely there's a way that it can work and be profitable without being subject to uh, the whims of someone else in a different country. Like, for instance, Tony Blumen, Brighton is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Tony Blumen, Union saint they might be slightly more successful. But I don't know. You have to ask supporters of that club. But would they value their independence higher? I don't know. That you've got to ask them. I if I was a supporter of Union yeah. saint I'd love mm-hmm. my independence. Sure. But Nathan, I think with regards to that point, the supporters and the club administration clearly aren't supporters of a the holding football group, right? Or the owners. They're, they're not. Supporters, they're supporters of the football club and they're administrators of the football club and they're charged with being either, and in particular the administrators, are charged with the, responsibility, with the responsibility of running that football club and acting in, in that football club's best interests. You're right. You don't support an ownership group. Unless you were a Melbourne City fan, because Melbourne City bought <laughs> Melbourne Heart and changed the colours to Melbourne City, and, and like you know, to Manchester City, and it's a you know there was that's the only time I've ever seen or that I can recall a change in colours and a change in badge and a change in you know because that's when it goes too far. And well, yeah, but Melbourne Heart was I a basket case at the moment. Yeah, I don't think you necessarily need, well, maybe in the case of CFG, then they all want the CFG clubs playing in sky blue. That's a branding thing. It doesn't happen with uh, the Mariners. So. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why. Maybe there's a few other Sky Blue teams in Japan where they want to step on any toes and uh, maybe they weren't allowed to. I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs. I'm purely guessing. Oh. And uh, there was the case when Vincent Tan took over Cardiff that he wanted to change them from the, the Bluebirds to the Red Dragons. Well, did that didn't go well. down too well. He changed yeah, the badge. Did he change he the colours of the kit too? That's right, he did. Mm, that didn't go down too well at all. No, it didn't. Mm. But yes, that, that's the top and bottom of it. Essentially, it is off-pitch things, supporter values that is my gripe with multi-club ownership. Okay. And yes, you don't support the owners, mm-hmm. but they are intrinsically linked. Like every time a Newcastle discussion comes up, the Saudi point is not far away. Look, it's only because the owners uh, of who the owners are. There's not a multi. Uh, there isn't a multi-club approach to what the Saudis are doing. So the Saudis... Isn't there? No, there isn't because the... it's the league. Isn't there? No, there isn't. Why, who else are they required? Well, I mean, Saudi. well, yeah, outside of Saudi, that's okay. the thing. Okay, so that's what we're talking about, right? So outside of but, Saudi, who, who, yeah. who have they acquired? No, there isn't anyone. Okay, so... But that's Saudi not necessarily league. the point I'm making. No, but the Saudi... No, but it's different to the multi-club ownership model that you're talking about, which is... Uh, the C football group, the triple seven group, right? And others. Yes. But the owners are intrinsically linked. And look you look at Chelsea, the Tobolli angle is never too far away. But okay, the owners but are a part of the football. My point is that you can't detach the owners from the football clubs you support. You don't necessarily have to support the owners, but the owners aren't going away locked in the cupboard not to be looked at. Okay. So all right. you've brought up Chelsea and you've brought up Newcastle United, right? Who uh Owned by one owner, by one club owners, effectively. What is it that? Why is it that you're bringing them up and 
you're against the multi-club model. So you're saying that by association, right, these clubs, so Newcastle United and Chelsea have their owners and they're associated with their owners, and that's fine. I understand that point. What are your concerns with regards to the multi-club owners? And are you are you saying that the owners can't act in the best interests of these particular clubs or that they're compromised because of a perceived biggest asset within those groups and that they are forced to act in the best interests of the most valuable asset in that group, the most valuable club in that group, the most successful club in that group, to the detriment of the other clubs in that group. Is that what you're contending? Essentially, yes. And the reason why you see a lot of interest from Premier League owners on the continent, Tony Bloom with Union Saint-Gerois and Todd Bowley with Strasbourg and so on, is that the, so they can sign 18-year-old kids from Africa or Brazil or South um, South America, Central America, wherever, they wouldn't get a work permit in the UK so they can loan them to these clubs on the continent so they can get up work permit points. That's the reason. That's why they want to do it. Okay, but if you're... But hang on. Isn't that clever? Sure, it's clever. Okay, and... But what, just because it's clever, that doesn't mean that it should be allowed to be done. But hang on a second. If I'm... What is stopping me from doing that, aside from being a multi... Right. If I was a multi and football <laughs> was my thing and I wanted to have a club here and a club there and I saw that, hey, there's an opportunity for me to actually invest in the club overseas. And you know what? If this club, you know, if let's say, for instance, I had a club in Greece and well, I'll be married I just for a minute, right? God, I never thought I'd say that. Um, <laughs> if I'm the owner of Olympia, of, of Olympia course, and the owner you'd of be Olympia sending course. him down to the second division, lads. That's what you'd be doing. Hey, hey, hey. That's, that's not true. <laughs> that is not true. And uh, those dispersions <laughs> against my character, I, I'm offended, Nathan. And with all due respect, fuck you. There's no need for that. <laughs> um, just because I have a dislike of Olympia, course, doesn't mean that I would send him down. No. Um, <laughs> Because I wouldn't dislike them if I owned them, I can tell you. Now, mm. um, if the the point is that you want to, you know, you're saying that you don't agree with owners fundamentally setting up a farming system of players or a, a development system of players who are playing in one league and that might be successful in another league, a higher quality league, where they happen to have a club as well. Yep. What is the problem with that? Isn't it? Isn't that smart business if you're a football club owner? I think it is smart business. Okay. And with the second you have professional football and you have private ownership in clubs, wouldn't be, wouldn't that be a smart business model for you to do that? Yes. Okay. And I don't so blame any the owners that go about doing that. But okay. I don't think so. Who do you blame? So do you lay blame? So do you blame? So do you lay blame at the regulators of the game? I do. And what would you like them to do about it? have a maximum amount of shares that you can have in multiple clubs. If you own one club, I don't know, as a random ballpark, as a, a number plucked out of thin air, let's say 25%, say 15%, could be anything in that sort of area. Hang on a second. As, yeah. mm-hmm. as owner of Nottingham Forest, for instance, I would own more than 50% of that, but I wouldn't mm-hmm. be able to own more than 50% or the controlling interest in Olympia courses, I was saying. That's what I'm saying. And why why is because effectively if you're in control of that, then you are starting to look at potentially a farming model. Is that what we're saying? A farming model, a potential conflict. Conflict I don't buy. And there are several reasons why. You're waiting for me to say that, weren't you? No, I wasn't actually. But uh, well, not several reasons. There are a couple of reasons why. 
One is the players themselves. You couldn't tell me that there are players who, let's say, for instance, like we've said before, Nottingham Forest happen to play and get across in the Champions League, right? Not going to happen. But let's say, well, let's say it's the Europa League. By, by some miracle, Nottingham Forest end up in the Europa League spot because that's Olympiacos's level at the moment, right? Europa League. So they happen to play against each other. They're drawn against each other in the same group. Are you going to tell me that you don't that you think the Olympiacos players are going to take it easy against uh, Nottingham Forest players and vice versa? The fact that it is the first point that you bring up regarding a conflict means that at some point in the week leading up to the game, it would enter the players' mind as well, and that's more Bullshit. than enough. Bullshit. Bullshit. I'm sorry, Nathan. Bullshit. Being a passing thought, if you've got half a dozen, if you've got a couple of players that are going on loan to a club that actually are owned by their opponents, I'm not saying they're going to take it easy and pull out of tackles or anything, but it's going to be at some point in the week leading up to the game in the back of the mind. Oh, come on, Nathan. You cannot sit there and seriously tell me that professional players are going to worry about, oh, geez, that's my employees' other team. Oh, I better take it easy on them. They're going to be worried about trying to make sure that they actually are themselves in a good life. And that their team that they're playing for is in a good life. They couldn't give two shits about the other team. Do you zero percent of players. That? Sorry, zero percent of players. Oh, now you're going into match fixing territory or something like that. So let's say I'm. I'm not suggesting match fixing. Well, okay. What are you insinuating then? I just think it's it is is it within the realm of possibility that a player may think, oh, I want to come back and play for the main club next season. I don't want to break a player's legs in the other team and then I'll be banished forever. For a start, they wouldn't look at it, the other club as a, the main club. The they wouldn't look do. at the main club the as the main do. club. Hang on. The owners do? Maybe. Not the players. Not the coaching staff. Not the administrators of the clubs. So you don't think the players of, I don't know, Girona, think, you don't think they think of themselves as that not at the main club, not at Manchester City? The ones that are on loan If Girona happened to be playing against Manchester City in the Champions League, right? That's not the point. No, it is the point because that's the competition. They're going to be playing against each other if they if they happen to get drawn against each other. The likelihood of it happening is not the point here. Okay, well, what, what is the point? The point is if it does ever happen, then there is a problem there. Okay, what do you think is compromised? The integrity of the competition? Slightly. By what reckoning? I mean, we're going around in circles a little bit here. No, I know that, but by what, I'm trying to understand... Right? I'm trying to understand and get you frustrated. No, I'm trying to get you to understand <laughs> why, like, what the concern is. Because I don't, I, I, I don't see a concern as far as players themselves having that issue, right? And the administrators of each individual club having that issue. Now, where it would become an issue is, let's say, you know, the boss man, Mo Mackis, turns around and says to Nottingham Forest, like uh, directors and, and Olympia Coast directors or the coaches, right? Hey, I want you guys to go easy on each other and I want this to be a draw. <laughs> yeah, well, that's match fixing. Exactly right. But don't you think that these owners who, who have plowed millions of their own money into, um, into these businesses, right? Do you think they're actually going to bother to do that? They'd want to see which is the better uh, run unit, which is the better run team, right? Or which team has the better players, and whoever's the more successful team will win. And that's the end of it. We shouldn't be having this conversation, Les, because it shouldn't be able to happen in the first place. But Nathan, it's a reality now, okay? Yeah, so, I know. Yeah, I understand, I understand, that, I understand the genie's out of the bottle saying, and it's not going back in. Yeah, I understand your point. We shouldn't be having this conversation because it should have already been picked up initially when it first started and regarding the integrity of competition. And I I, I see merit in what you're saying, no doubt. However, um, but I also look at it the other way and say, if I'm a 
involved in the football business and I've got clubs and I can actually farm talent and do that. Isn't that a smart way for me to operate my business? Yes, it is. And I that's what I said five minutes ago. I don't blame owners for doing it. I think it is a smart thing to do. And if you're not doing it, then you're doing it wrong. Good. Okay. Take advantage of the rules of, if they're there to be taken advantage of. Mm. Okay. Well, sure. You agree Go for that. it. I'm glad yeah. you agree. On, I'm, I'm glad you agree on that. You don't like it, but you... you I don't like it. smart, yeah. But it, it is the smart thing position, to do. Okay. If you're in this position, if you happen to be employed by one of these organizations, would you feel compromised in any way? Well, I don't know. You'd have to put me there first. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. All right. So Manchester City, <laughs> City Football Group, Nathan Gould is available. <laughs> He's available for employment and engagement. Triple seven, maybe. I don't know. But hey, Nathan Gould's there. And I'm not too far behind it. But, <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, or, 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 and you would have to, you know, do something about that website. That you've got to, but there you go. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean... <laughs> Good to get an argument in. We haven't had one for I a while. I think so. Yeah. Heated yeah, discussion. Yeah. You, 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 you still got your picks to get started. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Been over it a few times. I'm not going to really kick off because there's nothing I can do about it, to be honest. <laughs> Nothing's going to change. As I say, the genie's out of the bottle and it's not going back in. Yeah, I don't think no, there's anything right. your wafer can do, even. No, that's right. Because they're not going to force owners to sell no. their football clubs. Yeah. And I, and I don't think that's. Um, yeah. Well, you're right. You're right. If, if the. If it hasn't been regulated on in the past, well, it's it's very hard to claw back now that the gene is out of bottle, no doubt. I also don't think you ever particularly care about it. I don't think they would stop it if they could. Uh, you are right there, pal. You're right. I agree with you. But mm. um, if you've got any particular concerns with regards to Triple Seven and their ownership of Everton as such, I do themselves. because yeah. it looks like Everton are going to the championship based on their track record in managing other clubs. Like Melbourne Victory probably would have been relegated by now if they could have been. And further Berlin got relegated. And Sevilla were close. Genoa were close. Everton are close now. The only closer they can get is going down. But, I mean, it's not good. It's not looking good. And with a stadium still being built and still needing to secure a significant portion of funding for that, I have doubts over whether Everton will even exist in five years' time, let alone be successful. Well, it hasn't. I would hazard a guess to say that obviously equity in the company would, um, or in Everton would uh, translate to ownership of the ground as well. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. The deal. yeah. I, would, so I would envisage that in the case. And, and if I was negotiating um, a control, you know, to acquire a controlling stake in Everton, I'd want to ensure that um, that I had some say in what in the ownership of the ground as well, uh, with regards to. Um, to um, revenue rights and, 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 and all that um, because it's obviously going to be a valuable asset to the city of Liverpool. Yes. Liverpool needs Everton. The city and the club, I mean. The Premier yes. League needs Everton and that's not even existing. That's in the top flight. Correct. And, uh, yeah, hopefully it all works out. Hey, maybe everything falls into place now that Triple Seven have a quote-unquote prize possession. Maybe, maybe. They, maybe they get this one right, maybe. Or they're due. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> It's not going to be black seven times in a row, is it? We'll keep effing up, but we'll get it right. <laughs> it's got to be red sooner or later. Let it ride. Let it ride. <laughs> we'll see if we can get uh, a interesting party on Triple Seven. Hopefully, we can. Hey, we're I talking about try. roulette and Triple Seven. There's an easy casino link here, isn't there? Yes, there Everton is. fans will be hoping they hit the jackpot. <laughs> Didn't you? And you're here every week, Nathan, as well. I am here every week. I'm glad you realised. <laughs> I had to say it, you know, if you're not going to accept it, right? Yeah. 
Les, so, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Oh, we're doing that already. I thought we were going to talk uh, about Are we? No, uh, surely not. Okay. I thought, I thought we had more stuff. All right. What do you got? Well, um, thanks to friend of the pod, Patrick Sterling. Mm-hmm. Did you know that our NASA was playing in the Asia's Champions League and went to Iran over the last couple I of days? I did see this, yes. Do you want to elaborate? Because that's a hell of a story. Well, Cristiano Ronaldo, as we all know, playing for Al Nasser. Should say Cristiano Ronaldo and company. Yes, it's, should, not one, because... it's not a one-man team. <laughs> it's not a one-man team anymore. It's just Sadio <laughs> Amane. Actually, I saw footage of Sadio Amane pushing uh, Ronaldo off the bench into the technical area so he could catch the team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's also real, isn't it? It's, um, it's unreal. It's un- unreal. Mm. Uh, Asian Champions League, as we started, as we said at the top of the show, is uh, starting off. And the first game for Al Nasser was away in Iran. And yeah, on the team bus, there was a, a swarm of people trying to hunt it down and get a glimpse. And yeah, I, I'm i not quite sure who else is in Al Nasser's group, but whenever they do go away, there'll be two more away trips in their group, of course. It's going to be similar scenes. And it's amazing for some of the people who get to see Cristiano Ronaldo and co up close and something they never would have thought possible. Like yeah. for instance, mm. Melbourne City blitz the East Asian side of the Champions League could very well be having Cristiano down here in Melbourne. Not likely, but possible. And look, in a competitive game, it would never happen. Not for a club side, anyway. Yeah, you're right there, Nathan. You're right. Yeah, I'm just trying to find this, actually. And, and I'll, um, uh, like I said, I'll credit Patrick's game because he posted on his LinkedIn page. Here we go. And the quote, Patrick, right? When Cristiano Ronaldo arrived in the football mad Tehran, with his new Saudi club out NASA, he was given a Messiah's reception with hordes of fans following the team approach around the town, right? Around Tehran. Unfortunately, so Almas's training session was cancelled due to the immovable crowds that were flooding around the team's hotel. It, it gets better, right? Sadly, the fans were cruelly denied the chance to see Ronaldo play in the Azadi Stadium, which holds 78,000, because Persopolis, which was the team they were playing against, had a uh, one-match game home ban of crowds. I so haven't seen if, this part of the story. <laughs> and, yeah, imagine if, imagine if the crowds were allowed to be into the ground. They probably would have stormed the pitch. It's it's incredible, isn't it? It's amazing, a, amazing. It's an incredible story, and the scenes are just crazy, right? And the fact that they had to cancel the, the team's training because the hotel was, yeah, in front of the hotel, people couldn't move. The crowd was immovable. It's just insane. Mm, yeah. Amazing. And as I say, it'll be a similar story when they go away to the other two teams in the group. And look, this probably, I mean, it has to be, doesn't it? The highest profile the Asian Champions League has ever been. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. And um, you can watch that on uh, Paramount as well. Not that they're a sponsor. Yes, not that they're a sponsor. <laughs> uh, the other thing that caught my you know, interest in is uh, Hayley Rasso made her debut for Real Madrid. Fantastic. Um, yes. So, uh, women's football is kicking off. Um, uh, but there is an international with uh, currently, or that's about to commence in the women's uh, game. So, especially enough for World Cup. But um, in Spain's female players, uh, Spain's women's players, uh, saying that the strike is over and that they're no longer boycotting the team. Which is good. Seems like a resolution. Mm, that's and, right. Um, it's not a case of necessarily moving on and forgetting what happened, but Correct. we can move past this specific incident this specific issue and get back to some sort of normality and 
um, with improved conditions overall. So yeah, and uh, the women's national league, the Euro women's national league is better to stuff, and uh, Spain and Sweden are being drawn in the same match. Whoa, I hadn't seen that. <laughs> How have you ever worked that? How does that happen? Well, it is oh, the nation's wow. league. It is the yeah. nation's league, yeah. yeah. That's true. That's true. So, not bad, is it? Not bad. Well, the two best teams in Europe, of, no, two, two of the three best three. teams in Europe. Two of yes, the three. From the World Cup. Mm. Forgot about England. Well, you know, they, they can be forgettable, but, you know. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that'd be great. I'll tell you one thing I did see, and I only saw it today. Is Post- mm-hmm. Ange, Big Ange, and we'll talk about that in Aldina. Um, but uh, Big Ange, I don't know why they're calling it Big Ange, but anyway, uh, <laughs> should we say Big Ange, <laughs> our Ange? What should we say? <laughs> or just Ange? Let's just go with Ange. Yep. So, uh, Ange plus the Cogman, um, is that a fans for him, a Spurs fans for him? And uh, I've posted it on the Black Pigs uh, Instagram story uh, today. Um, where he takes a fan and, and so the, the fan's question and the content uh, is trying to wrap up and, and uh, noticed a gentleman um, and suffering from you know, some, some kind of condition. Um, and I don't know what the condition was, but he, he, you know, Ange picked him out and said, hey, I want a question from you, mate, because I've seen you get up and took on the question and it was just absolutely brilliant, right? Um, and it's just heartwarming and you just get to see the real character of Ange. And it's just, it, it was really, really touching. So. Yeah, I saw the same clip, actually. And yeah, that's what he's all about. And it's obviously not, predetermined it's not as if Definitely showing not. for the cameras anything not like that all. nothing like that nothing but like that all. you can't help the respect but, yeah the respect that's There's it respect the respect that Ange gives to the person delivering the question and the respect that he garners off the back of doing that action and the nature of the clip of course is going to go around the world and it's just amazing oh it's i can't imagine possible life at Tottenham starting any better than it has no no and look it's is it a free hit? And I'm I'm not talking about result wise. I'm just talking about everything wise, playing style wise, um, you know, clearing house, all that aspect, everything that's associated with Tottenham, all the aspects of it. Because he's one of the fans I really as far you know, and it's not that hard to see, you know, because Ange is Ange and he's being himself and Arsenal supporters find it very hard to hate him or to dislike him. And especially the Australian ones. The, the Celtic supporters find it hard to you know, dislike him as well because I mean, he left on the right in the right way. Yeah, and he so, didn't leave them stranded mid-season. Like the, the, the current manager already did. Mm, that's right, that's right. Mm. But is it a free hit range? I think it is. I think he's got, you know, carp launch this season. I think so as well. Like in an alternate world where they lost three of their first four and there was a lot of question marks and, oh, is this the right guy for the job sort of questions would have been coming up already. I don't think there would have been a case where there's any sort of pressure whatsoever on Edge until at least Christmas. So not that he's needed it, but he's got a long yeah. leash. We'll, we'll talk about the NLD back, NL back in a minute, but I, uh, you've got me, you've been saying this for the last couple of episodes, and you've got me thinking about it this week, and that's Pochettino at Chelsea. And I know this mess. isn't not a Champions League, uh, sorry, a uh, Premier League show, but... It has been this week. It, well, it's kind of hard not to, though, isn't it, really? Mm. Because everything else in the continent has been status quo, except for the Milan Derby, which was just a, you know, Milan Derby was just a blow away, right? But the Pochettino, these are the stories that keep on giving, and because they're so unique, 
in in the sport itself. Like Chelsea is a unique situation. And Pochettino is a unique manager. And this is just something that's just ridiculous. Well, I saw a stat during the week. What was it? It was something along the lines of Chelsea. What was the time frame? I think it might have been January 21, I think, or maybe January 22 or something like that. Around that sort of time was the last time that Chelsea beat a team in the Premier League that was in the top half at the time they beat them. Wow. They've only beaten sides in the bottom half. Wow. Okay. In like 18 months, something like that. It's just go. ridiculous, the form that they've been in. Another one for you too, I think. All right, let's go. I've got another Chelsea stat for you. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, oh, again, I've got the time frame a little bit fuzzy, but it's since a particular manager has taken over. I'm not sure whether it's Graham Potter or Sean Dyche. Yeah. But Everton are only two points behind Chelsea with two games in hand. Is this calendar year? That's what it is. I remembered it. Wow. It's calendar year. Everton are two points behind Chelsea with two games in hand. It's very glad because it both clubs during the calendar year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think you've hit the nail on the head as the, the, the link. Yeah. Um, look, Posh needs time. There's no doubt about it. Right? Uh, is he going to get it? I don't know. He should. He should. But uh, he no, should. I don't think he Chelsea, will. If Chelsea is in some relegation battle, then witness that. But it's definitely watch the space with regards to Chelsea because they'll be providing some uh, uh, you know, popcorn entertainment version for the teach game yep. while it's going. But uh, all right, let's get back to the NLD and and Edge. And we think that he's got a free hit this year, but what are your thoughts on this uh, upcoming NLD? We've been saying it throughout this episode, actually. I think this is one of the best NLDs in prospect for a very long time. Both sides look really good. The midweek contest, I suppose, is more of like a, a training run by the end of it for Arsenal over PSV. Is there a case of the midweek off being beneficial for Spurs? Perhaps. Generally, though, I think both teams are coming into this really hot. And I don't know how to call it, to be honest. I really don't know how to call it. And I think with the uh, perhaps taking away that Harry Kane penalty that he always gets in a North London derby, maybe that swings it to Arsenal. But eh. If you ask me for a tip, I say draw. Yeah, I say draw too. But wouldn't it be something if mm. Spurs were able to go and win? Yeah. If, if the fans don't love Ange enough already. I think it would make Arsenal very nervous. I think it would too. And some questions will start being asked. They're already yeah. starting to be asked before the international break. I agree. I agree. I think it would make Arsenal very nervous. Mm. And you spend $65 million on Havertz. You spend 110 on Declan Rice. And yes, Declan Rice has been fantastic, but it's a big outlay. And with yeah, big outlier, it's not his fault. He's not worth that much. I'm sorry. He's very good. He's not worth that much. He, no, he's I don't good, think but he's not worth that much. No player's worth that. Like, well, except for maybe Jude Bellingham, right? But <laughs> but still, Jude Bellingham didn't go for that much, did he? I think if he was coming to the Premier, would have <laughs> possibly. Possibly. I Honestly, possibly. I think that's the I think that's the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. So you've got to factor in a twenty percent tax or twenty percent loan. Uh, with uh, the English club uh, component, no doubt. Yeah, but the point is, it's a big outlay for Arsenal this season, and with a big outlay comes big expectations. They're not the plucky team that is a surprise title contender this season, as they were last year. And really, from what we've seen, what, five games in, in the league, they look well off City. They don't... It looks like the gap has gotten bigger. I think the gap is bigger. And really, this City team, they've got a fair amount of injuries at the moment and combine that with Mara's leaving and others, the gap shouldn't be this big this season. It should be closer. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Barry says it on British Football Watch. 
this season that uh, he thinks the title race will be wrapped up by March. It's hard to disagree with him because I think the rest of the top six plus Newcastle plus Brighton mm. may maybe plus Brentford. That includes I think us all... in, the, in the rest of the top six, please. Yeah. I think they'll all take too many points off each other for one to emerge as a contender for the title. Yeah, look, I think Arsenal and Liverpool are probably second or third. Oh, sorry. Arsenal and Liverpool finish second, right? Um, with the other one finishing third. But basically, the really two challenges to this title is there is going to be a challenge because I don't see Metz's city being challenged. I think the, the gap's grown again. Yeah, I don't really see how it's grown. Uh, it doesn't make any sense and, to me. Why it's grown? Yeah, because look at, the, look at the depth that Manchester City has, Nathan. No, but that's that's my point. At the start of this season, there isn't that much depth there. Yeah, but like they've Play, players are gone, right, and players yeah. are gone down injured. Yeah, they, sure. sure. Centre backs and defence they look pretty good, but going mm. forward, like Jack Grealish has picked up an injury now, mm. and Doku's raw. He's fresh. He's still got to learn the Pep system, and he'll get Guardiola, and he'll be, he'll be fantastic. But he's still got to learn that from here, and. I think Bernardo Silva's got a knock. I think the biggest indicator for Chelsea's... No, Chelsea, geez. I think the biggest <laughs> indicator for City's um, stocks at the moment going forward is that Julian Alvarez has played every minute of the league this season, Yeah, that's which is yeah. not typical at all. Julian Alvarez is usually the first one to get back on the bench. And uh, the good. fact that he's playing every minute, yes, he's a great player. He deserves all the playing time. He'd walk into every starting eleven in the world, probably. But the fact that he's played so much this season means that there isn't too many other options for City. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. So what are, you, what are you looking forward to? Well, North London derby, first and foremost. It has to be, doesn't it? Yeah. That's the biggest game of the weekend. I don't know about that. There's the matter mm-hmm. of Madrid derby. North London derby is bigger than Madrid derby. That's. I'm uh, sorry. No, I'm that's... sorry, but it is. <laughs> No, the Madrid, the Madrid derby's on this week, this weekend as well. So I'm mm. looking forward to that. Yep. Um, yeah. So that'll be um, that'll be interesting to see. That's uh, Monday morning, five a.m. outside. So some, so Monday morning will be a big night or a big morning. Yes, yes, that it will be. And uh, yeah, I think North London derby does take the cake for me this weekend. No, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, uh, next week, next the Wednesday, and we, I'm still trying to see if there's a way to try and see it, but um, Michael Valkanis is happy to tell you we'll be playing the Cali Tel Aviv in the, yes. in the Tel Aviv derby. So I'm going to wish best of, best of luck to uh, to Michael and Hapoel. Yeah, I can echo those and all the best to him and his team and hey, hopefully they can pull out three points in such a big game that's yeah. they're in the middle of this big run, aren't they, where they play all their rivals that's in right. one stretch. Yeah, they're sitting on the last you know, three rounds in and two draws in a win. So, uh, undefeated so far, but um, yeah, hopefully uh, they can pick up the win um, against uh, their hostile rivals. But um, yeah, so there's uh, a bit of interesting football to watch this coming weekend, but um, we've got Europa League and Conference League to watch tomorrow morning, maybe. So, which we'll know, you know, which people will know the results of um, by the time they listen to the pod. But uh, look, you know, European football, club football is always of interest. So there's some, uh, there's some tasty offerings there, especially Brighton playing uh, Alec Athens, which will be uh, one to watch. Might might get ugly, but yeah, that'll be one that, that I'll be watching tomorrow morning. Yeah. Is that on the South Coast or is that over in Greece? No, that's uh, in Brighton. Oh, it'll be a celebration. And look, Brighton are uh, a brilliant team. They should top this group. And eh, maybe they can make a real run of it. It just depends on, again, the depth. Yeah. No Do they have it to compete on both fronts? I'm not so one, sure, to be honest. One one thing we haven't mentioned for a little while. Go on. MLS. Mm. Into Miami. They're doing well. <laughs> they what? 
<laughs> they don't even need Messi most times. Well, they didn't have Messi for one of the games recently. I was watching it, and uh, it was a it was a three two. Which game was that? Let me go and find it. It was against Sporting Kansas City. Yes, they copped a, a hiding against Atlanta. Not Atlanta, a different team. Atlanta, <laughs> <laughs> close. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, they're making a charge. I think we said a couple of weeks ago that they're probably not going to make the full playoffs, but uh, they, they're closing in. No, they can't make it. Surely not. I'm, I'm just looking at it now. Les, they're of DC United. They're five points behind with two games in hand. Um, they can't make it. They can. They can. Well, okay. They can do it. They can do it. They pretty much got to win every game. That's what I was going to say. They have to win every game. I mean, look, it's. I get close, but I don't know if they can. I mean, look, they did beat Toronto, but they, mind you, you know, Toronto's bottom of the league at the moment. Yeah, they're rubbish. So, which is uh, sad to see that city, because uh, that's a football city, that one, in Canada, and it's uh, sad to see them languishing at the bottom of the, uh, of the Galaxies. Yeah. Tell you what, Laz, they've got a pretty easy run to into Miami. It's nine out of the 15 clubs in the Eastern Conference yeah. that go through to the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. And of their remaining one, two, three, four, five, six games, they play four teams that are around them, around their current position, which is 13th. So they might they end play up teams in the, in the bottom third. They might end up in the wild card. They might. Yeah, worst. Because they have that it's, system, it's, that wild card system over in the States. Americanized well. system, or however it works. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, if they get a wild card, look out. Mm, they got a good team. They do. Right now they do. Now they do. Yes, now they do. And they got a better manager too. But oh, your manager's great. It's it's a shame they don't have their new stadium for Messi to go and play in. They're still playing on the uh the temporary ground. Yeah. Uh I actually saw something on that um today, now that you mention it. Uh, the wonderful advent of social media. Um it um I'll see if I can find it actually. Keep talking, nothing. I'll tell you what, I do have this uh Shane United MacArthur game on. Oh dear, yeah. And how's it going? Um, it looks like a game between two sides in uh, in two, Myanmar. The conditions look uh, yes. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, no. I'd be. It is ready. The new stadium is ready, apparently. The new stadium is ready. Uh, yes, yes. As of sixteen hours ago. Oh, Ooh, okay. Apparently, it is ready. Uh, it looks like it's um, yeah. There's a. Yeah, it's something that I just showed, but it doesn't have any stats on it, but yeah, it is ready. That's the good thing about MLS, all the infrastructure. Yeah, Every new no, team's got awesome. a, a, yeah. a great stadium, a, a soccer-specific stadium, and it's just some of the older teams that are falling behind a little bit with that and still have to ground share, like uh, Vancouver yeah. still have to ground share. I think it's with a Canadian Football League team. I don't know. I don't know. That's well beyond my scope. Um, but... That is a good thing about MLS. So much in terms of facilities, which would be nice if we had the same down here, but money makes the world go around and we don't have enough of it. Ah, uh, there's plenty to go around. We just need to find it, that's all. Mm. <laughs> be positive, Nathan. Be positive. Don't be negative. <laughs> I mean, is there enough money going around for, I don't know, half a million times 12? <laughs> well, we don't need 12, but near enough to 12. Uh, who knows? We, uh, <laughs> who knows? There, there might well be. There might well be. Maybe one, though. Yeah, look, it might, it, it, you know, it might happen during our lifetime. Who knows? It looks like this uh, Auckland franchise is pretty positive. Oh, okay. So, uh, so um, what's happened there? Because I, I haven't seen the uh, the latest update. It just seems. I think it's just a, a general 
I don't think there's been any recent recent update, but there's a general feeling of it. It's sounding very good. There's backers that are involved in other sports clubs. It's a multi-club owner model. <laughs> Multi-sport model. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, it seems like they have their head switched on in terms of the ownership group and there's so much appetite awesome. um, for this potential new franchise and I'm fascinated by the prospect of a New Zealand derby. So am I. I can't wait in, to see that. In a season actually. to come. Yeah, can't wait to see that, actually. But um, Nathan, your mate, Camille Grabara. Has, uh, My mate who? Camille Grabara. Camille Grabara. Former teammate of Ryan at FC Copenhagen. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes, I'm up to speed. I remember him now. Yes. Cool. Well, uh, well, what did he say about Matty Ryan? It was Matty's it was Ryan's... calling him out after his World Cup mistake, wasn't it? Correct. Yeah, correct. Mm. And, uh, yeah, Matty Ryan's uh, showing up about that, but that's all right. How soon uh, we forget about Grabara or whatever his name was? Yeah, well, <laughs> I think he's uh, endeared himself to uh, the residents of Istanbul by saying, reserved all three points from that shithole, but that's life. We move on. <laughs> and that's just come out. So there you go. <laughs> oh, this guy does himself no favours. Bit of a tool, isn't he? Yep. Seems that way. Yes. Seems that way. Yeah. Uh, we hit the back pick, Nathan. Oh, I think we have, Laz. Mm. I think we have. I think... Uh, Hopefully we can try and get a couple of uh, guests uh, on in the coming weeks. Yeah, it should be good. Yeah, hopefully. And uh, but we always have yeah, the pleasure to be company, Nathan. And yes, the we do. The listeners. Yes, the listeners always here. We thank you, each and every one of you, for uh, checking out this episode. I'm a little bit distracted because uh, Jamar is uh, stepping up to take a penalty for the Bulls. Oh, here we go. Hang on. Uh, hang, hang on. We, we've talk about yourselves, our, listeners. We've kicked off our watch now. That is. And it took a hole. It's down the middle. <laughs> Gave the keeper the eyes. One nil to the Bulls. Let's go. So are there two, are there two pub teams playing, I think? Oh, he's gone quiet there. I think he's uh, about to agree. Mm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, everyone, thanks for joining us again on this episode of The Back Peg, and we look forward to uh, joining you at some point next week uh, to your listening time and thanks for your listenership and please send us messages um at the back peg on instagram at the back peg on x we have to say formally twitter because that seems to be how x is referred to i'm never gonna get used to calling it x okay it's always gonna be twitter for me well you know that the owner of x actually buys your mob out but anyway oh uh <laughs> uh, uh, move on. <laughs> yes, Manchester United, move on. Yes. <laughs> uh, listeners, also let us know what guests you'd like to come on the pod. Maybe we can uh, try and get some of those on. Send in your suggestions. Mm, I did have a suggestion. Uh, no, I didn't have a suggestion. Somebody did suggest this to me after mm. listening to the episode with Michael Marconis, and that is to try and get Ange on. Uh, oh, so look, yes. that's a dream. <laughs> it will We'd love to get Ange on. It will, it will happen. We just don't know how or when or why, but it will happen. We know nothing of any details. That's uh yes. We'll we can surely, hold out for for one postacoglu. We'll surely try our best. Don't worry. Pull out and stop. We'll lure him in with some Robbie Williams. I think all in good time. Make sure you get Robbie Williams on. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe maybe not. But um. <laughs> Yes, but yeah, please let us know uh, any ideas that you have or any suggestions. But um, we're uh, 
working on a couple of, I guess, happening for the next couple of weeks in the background of United. So fingers crossed we can get them across and uh, see you on the same Should be good. Cheers, everyone. See you next week. <laughs>